There is something amazing about people with authority. They seem to be almost attractive. They, 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 they walk taller. They look better. They sound better, especially when they have that James Earl Jones kind of bass voice. You know what I mean? When you have authority like that, it just seems like you don't even have to manufacture respect. People just flock to you. And respect just happens. Authority is something we all know well and and, and there's really a couple of aspects to authority that if you think about it, kind of ring true in every case. There is someone from whom it derives, a source of authority. There is someone in whom it resides, the, the holder, the bearer of that authority. And there is something over which it presides, some matter, a realm in which that authority rings true. So think about the marriage ceremony. Right at the end, the officiant, the minister, will say something like, by the power vested in me by the state of Alabama, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And you hear all three parts, right? You, you hear the, the one in whom it resides. That's, that's the, uh, the state of Alabama. You hear the, the, or the one in, from whom it derives, that's the state. The one in whom it resides, that's the minister, that's the officiant who's conducting the ceremony, you, you hear the realm of that authority, the, the something over which it presides. That's the wedding ceremony. You can hear these three things all working together. The question of authority often, though, comes to that first point. Where is it coming from? What is the origin of that authority? You've heard people ask, who gave you the right to do blank? What they're asking is, where do you get your authority? On what grounds do you have the right, the authority, to be able to do something? How we answer the question of where our authority comes from reveals a lot about the things that are most important in our lives. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 20. In Luke 20, we find this point in which Jesus' authority is questioned. Luke chapter 20, God's word is important because of the authority of the God who spoke it, who wrote it, and who testifies to us from it. So stand with me as we read from Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 8 is what we'll be talking about tonight. This is the authoritative word of God, and if you let it, it will change your life. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priest and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things. Or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? But if we say from man... All the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John is a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Pray with me. Father, may your word take authority in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you remember, uh, last week we talked about Jesus cleansing the temple. That was on Monday morning of his final week. He comes in and he's knocking over tables and chairs. He's kicking merchants out of the temple. He's cursing those who have turned this place of prayer into a den 
of robbers, really reflecting the curse that was on the temple itself and on the whole sacrificial system because this is where God's name is supposed to be and it was here that God's name was blasphemed most. Here, in this place that should have been bearing the fruits of righteousness, there was a complete lack of fruit. And now it's Tuesday morning and Jesus comes back into the temple. Verse 1, one day... Luke doesn't set it within that week, um, but Mark tells us that it's that next day. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things. Or who is it that gave you this authority? The leaders of the day had seen everything Christ had done yesterday. They, They knew what he did and they were not happy about it. I mean, imagine someone comes to your work to your shop, to your garage, and they just make a complete mess of things, at least a mess in your sight. What would you think? So they they challenge Jesus. Tell us by what authority. Sometimes people ask us about the authority by which we do things, by which we live our lives. If you've ever witnessed to an atheist or a skeptic, you'll hear those kinds of questions. The Bible, they say, has many contradictions Or they'll ask you questions like, if God is so good, then how could he create a world that has so much evil in it? Now, let me let me be careful about this, because some of these questions are genuine. Some of these questions really are people wanting to know how come there's so much evil in the world and not being able to reconcile a good God with an evil world. And so we have to be very careful. We need to be very sensitive because those questions reveal real problems, real pains, real emotions. We ought not take them lightly. So in those cases, we must be very careful and respond compassionately to those individuals because they are truly seeking answers. But often uh, these questions are just smoke screens. They're, they're, They're really just diversions. They don't really want answers. In many cases, they just want to argue. And that's what's... That's what's happening here. The religious leaders knew what Jesus was doing and why he was doing it. It was clear. The prophecies were clear. It could not have been any clearer to the religious leaders. They knew the scriptures he was quoting. They knew the passage from Jeremiah about the den of robbers. They knew the passage from Isaiah about this being a house of prayer. They knew exactly what he was getting at. That's why they don't challenge his actions. And they don't even challenge his intentions. They ask this question of authority Who gave you the right? In a way, they're asking, who do you think you are? Now, Christ could tell them by what authority. Mark chapter 2, four men are bringing a paralytic to Christ. They, They can't get in the house. The house is so full and there's people all around and they can't get to Jesus. And one of them says, I've got an idea. They end up climbing up the side of the stairs, up onto the roof. They tear a hole in the roof and lower him down right in front of Jesus. And he heals this man. But before he heals this man, he heals this man. What's the first thing that Jesus does? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees are around like, wait a minute. Who gave you the right to forgive sins? Verse 8 of Mark 2. And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he turns, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And guess what? He did. The physical 
healing demonstrates the authority of Christ for the spiritual healing. You can't, you can't see sins being forgiven, but you can see a guy that can't walk, get up and walk. The physical validates the spiritual authority. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes to Capernaum and teaches on the Sabbath day. And what do the people think of his teaching? Luke 4.32, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And then, what did he do? Just four ver- a couple verses later, he heals a demon-possessed man. Talk about authority in action. Verse 36, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Jesus displays the authority in his words and then he displays it in his actions. Turns out that's not an empty authority. John chapter 10, Christ is telling his disciples about another another form of authority he has. He's talking about his role as the good shepherd and and he, he moves into from how he's caring for the sheep to into how he and the father are one. And then he says this, for this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Christ explicitly states that he, and only he, has the authority both to surrender his life and to take it up again. Only Christ has the authority to both sacrifice himself as a ransom for many and to physically rise as their promise of redemption. And that leads to Christ's penultimate form of authority. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Christ has all authority. So not only does he have the right to cleanse the temple from the filth of con artist coin changers, dastardly dove distributors, he has every right to make all things right. He could rightfully put these religious leaders in their place and show them who's boss. But instead... Instead of just taking charge, he forgoes the surface issue. Just like he does so well, he dives straight into the heart of the matter. You see, the debate over authority isn't the real issue here. The problem is that his source of authority doesn't matter to the religious leaders. They're not going to follow that authority anyway. So rather than quibble and argue and debate, he turns the table on them. He does it by asking a question. Look in Luke 23. 20, verse 3. He answered them, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me. The, the, uh, excuse me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Jesus is a masterful teacher. He knows that we learn far more f- from answering questions than from asking questions. Rabbis have known this for years. M- much, of Ju- m- much teaching in Judaism comes from asking questions. The Greek philosophers did the same thing. The master would ask a question for his students to answer and then would probe deeper and ask other questions, tangential questions, give counterexamples to force them to think through what they're saying and what it means and it's all of its implications. He's, so he's asking them to force them to reassess. But he's also making a power play. Something weird happens in my family. I don't know, this probably never happened to y'all, but sometimes my, one of my kids tries to take charge. Has, has that happened to y'all? I have found something. 
I have found that when I am answering their questions, they are in charge. Have y'all noticed that with your kids? Now, I don't mean like the simple questions. I mean the defiant question. The ones where you tell them something to do and they say, why? Like the ones that they're just looking for an excuse not to do it kind of thing. Those kinds of questions. I'm not, I'm not talking about the regular questions. The questions like, you know, dad, dad, uh, how do hurricanes form? You know, nothing like that. But I mean the defiant ones. When they are in defiance asking you questions, they are trying to be in control. That's why they're doing that. And so I've learned that I have to not answer the questions, but instead I have to force them to conform to me. In other words, I've got to have control of that situation. I can't be debating them. I can't be arguing with them. I can't be trying to explain myself. No, I'm the parent and you're the child. And you're going to do what I say, whether you understand it or not, whether you like it or not, right? I mean, that it's ugly truth, but it's still true. And before I was a parent, I'd said I'd never do that. Never say because I said so. It's one of my favorite lines. Because I said so, now go do it. Yeah. I didn't understand. I really didn't. Now I do. You see, the one who's asking the questions is really the one who's leading the conversation. That's the one who has authority. So what he does here is he turns it on them and he says, all right, I'm going to ask you a question. Now you answer me. This is the one who has authority. He doesn't have to explain himself. He doesn't have to defend his actions. He turns to them and puts them on the hot seat, makes them answer the question. He takes control of the situation. This is a power play move. I know when I say something like power play, I know you think that's kind of aggressive, but that's how you handle this situation. You take charge, right? If you're, if you're the police officer in the middle of traffic and you're directing traffic, you don't want to be timid. No, you are the boss of that intersection. The best officers I've seen have charge and everybody knows it. They're not questioning. They're not second guessing. They're not like barely doing mo- No, they are. Their hands out. You're going to stop and you're going to come on. Hurry. Come on. You know, that's how they do that kind of thing. I learned that working at Chick-fil-A when I'm directing traffic. You have to be assertive, man. You got to you got to really show them that, that you're in control. That's what Jesus is doing. He's stepping up and taking control of the situation that otherwise would get out of hand. This is why this is where his authority really shines in a great way, because he's not mean. He's not cussing them out. He's not being ugly or rude, but he is asserting himself. He is taking charge. What a good example for us. Now, the questions he asked. By whose authority was John baptizing? Who gave John the authority to baptize? Was it from heaven or was it from men? He's getting at their unbelief. You see, they didn't believe in John and they haven't believed in him. And now they're in a pickle because they are refusing to acknowledge the right authority. Look at the links that they go to, verse 5. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? You see, if they admit that God gave John the authority to do the baptism that he was doing, then why aren't you believing? It exposes who they are. But, verse 6, if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. They're in a bit of a pickle, aren't they? It's funny how um, opposing Jesus gets you in a pickle. Amen? 
if we say it's from man, then it doesn't it doesn't make us look like unbelievers, even though we are unbelievers. But then everybody else will stone us because they believe he is a prophet. What are we going to do? So the Pharisees went, oh, what, about 1,800 years into the future and said, we plead the fifth. They didn't, they didn't have a fifth amendment. They pleaded it anyway. So they answered they did not know where it came from. You know why I think the Bible does not actually quote their answer but just summarizes it? Because I don't think they gave a quotable answer. I think they stumbled over some kind of lousy excuse for a cop-out. And it didn't even matter what they were saying because everybody knew they were refusing to answer. See, it often works that way. When, when you really don't have a leg to stand on, you just try to muff your way through it and hopefully nobody will notice. When you when you got a paper due and it's got to be five pages and you really haven't done the research... You make the longest sentences you can possibly make to say the most amount of words but have the least amount of content. I've never done that. (laughs) I was never actually very good at that. I was always a little too straightforward for that. But anyway, they didn't have anything to say. So what they amounted to wasn't even worth quoting. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. If you cannot admit the authority by which John did his works you're not going to be able to to admit the authority by which I do my works. I wonder if it's the same authority. Do you think maybe it's because it's the same authority that Jesus can draw that parallel? That maybe God had had instructed John to do his baptism? Of course he did. And whose authority does God's son have? And it's the same story for many today. Some people will argue up one way and down the other about all sorts of menial, peripheral things just to avoid having to recognize that they know the truth and will not submit. You see, I'm convinced many atheists do know that God exists. They just don't want to admit it because their lives would have to change because of it. Maybe not the hardest atheist, but I believe there's many who call themselves skeptics, agnostic, atheist, who are really just afraid of the implications. So they pretend like God isn't there, so they don't have to deal with what it would actually mean. I hope that's not true of you. I don't think any of you are atheists, but I hope you're not one of the ones that seeks to hide the truth because it's too inconvenient. I said this morning, knowing isn't the battle most of the time it's doing. So the question is, are you willing to submit to the truth that you do know? It's one thing to know what's right, but to follow through with it, that, that to do what's right, that, that's, that's what really comes down to it. God is calling you to submit his authority, just like the chief priests, the scribes, the elders had to make a choice, so do you. We have to accept his authority over us. You see, Jesus doesn't have to defend himself because he has authority directly from God. Your heart is a temple. I think y'all probably talked about this this morning. The fact that we are temples of the living God. We ourselves are, are places in which God is to be worshipped and adored. God is to be praised and obeyed. Sometimes we shun God. We crowd him out by bad habits. We need to get rid of those. Those shows that fill your mind with garbage need to be discarded. The temple that explodes, that, that temper that explodes, that, that, that needs to be eradicated. That pride that makes your head too big for the neckline of all your shirts, that, that needs to be deflated. Submitting to God's authority means letting him get rid of the stuff that doesn't belong so he can develop the holiness that will mark your life, that will mark your heart. By what authority does he have the right 
to come into my heart and cleanse the temple within me. By God's authority, he has every right. Father, I pray that we would be clean temples. Lord, I pray that we would honor you by the way that we live, by the way that we talk, by the things that we do. God, we all fall short. Sometimes we fall a mile short. Sometimes we think we do a little bit better and we've made a couple of inches of progress, but not much. By your grace, help us up, dust us off, and help us carry on as we try to learn to walk in holiness. It takes us a long time, God. It takes us so long, but you're still patient. Father, help us not be like the Pharisees, the the temple leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, those who defiantly demand that you answer our questions and tell us by what authority you do these things. God, may we be submissive to your will and let you do what you want to do. Help you root out the sins that turn our temples into garbage dumps. Father, clean out our den of robbers and make it into a house of prayer. God, help us. Thank you for your son dying on the cross for us. We we can never express the gratitude that you deserve for that. So help us to live in light of it. Clean us up. Fix us up. Help us as we learn to walk in your ways and bring you glory. God, thank you for providing us with a family, a church, where we're all falling down together, where we can pick each other up and help each other along. May everything we do glorify you more and more until the day that your glory is manifested on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for everything you are and you do. Help us look a little bit more like you today and each day as we grow in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.